now. It's been a couple of times been here, so if you don't, my name's Donald Jennings. How's that? Now, everybody knows who I am. All right. Well, I'm glad you're here today. I hope you're glad I'm here. Yeah. But uh, I'm glad to be here. If you have your Bible with you this morning, you want to find Psalm 78. We're going to look in there for a little while this morning. I know... Uh, you didn't expect to see me today. I didn't expect for you to see me today, but that's all right, too. I'm uh, just glad, uh, you know, to be able to be here, be a blessing to you. But Brother Charlie was supposed to be with you, and he's got hung up out of town maybe or something. So we'll just ask the Lord to be with him wherever he is and uh, be with us here as well. Thank you for the singing this morning and uh, lifting your voice to praise the Lord be a part of that, all right? Um, Psalm 78, give me just a minute. Can you hear me good? Uh, I, we changed from the one I used last time to this one because that other one, I kept fooling with it the whole time. and uh, Figured like maybe we'd try this one so everybody can hear good. We're not going to read the, the whole entire psalm in Psalm 78 uh, this morning. It's quite lengthy and... Uh, we don't, we don't have time for all that. But while you're there, hold your place. I just want to uh, read one other verse to you as a starting point to come here to where we are. And you can jot it down. Psalm 19 and verse 14. Psalm 19 and verse 14 says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. And that, that little verse there tells us a lot about our attitudes and our actions. The words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, we're asking the Lord for them to be acceptable. And I would want that today, the things I say, the things that I do, what's in my heart, to be acceptable to Him. Hopefully you would want that same thing. So we ask that. And let's pray this morning, ask for God to help us as we look into His Word and uh, I just have a, a, a couple of points, got a lot to share with you to emphasize those two things, but we only have two points, so uh, you shouldn't have trouble uh, making note, keeping up with that, and being able to take something home with you today, uh, hopefully with the Lord's help that'll last you, all right? Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning, and we're thankful for the opportunity to be here today. Thankful, Lord, that you've given me the privilege to open your word, Lord, and share from it, God, what you've put on my heart. I pray this morning you'll just bless the reading of it, Lord. I pray that you'll bless uh, the things that I say today, God. May the Holy Spirit be in control of what's done here. God, may you use my mouth. and God, may you open hearts and ears to hear the words that you want to say today. Lord, help me just to be your vessel. Lord, we'll just give you these next few minutes. Pray that you'll be honored and glorified in what we do. In Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 78 is kind of a record here uh, of the children of Israel up uh, through uh, King David. It's kind of a, a short recap of their history. But I just want to share this thought with you today. Uh, I, I had another message uh, when Jennifer called last night that I, I thought, you know, Lord, would it be okay to preach this and studied it for a little while? and uh, thought that was going to be the message for today. And then 
uh, about, I don't know, 3.30, 4 o'clock this morning, the Lord said, no, I want you to preach this today. And I said, well, I don't know. You know, it's good to have Brother Hornsby with us. He said a few weeks ago, you know, y'all going to have candidates come in preaching and they're going to bring their best sermon, the one they know the most, preach the most often, the one they don't have to look at their notes for. And I thought, Lord, I can't preach one of them sermons over there. I got to bring something new, something fresh, you know, can't have. He said, no, this is one I want you to preach. But this is not one I've preached a hundred times either. I've only preached this message, uh, I think, maybe two times. Uh, but anyway, that's what the Lord said to do. So with that in mind, I, I want you to think about the, the fact that life uh, is all about choices. It's about the choices that we make. Uh, sometimes we make choices that last a lifetime. Hopefully you made one choice about who you'd marry. You only have to make that choice one time. You pray about it. You trust the Lord. He brings you the right person. And, you know, that's one choice. That's a lifetime choice. Some choices we make, you know, are, are more frequent. And then some choices are daily. But life is all about choices. It's about making decisions. It's about making choices. And that psalm we read in uh, about our, our, our attitude and our action, I said the, the, our mouth, our heart, the things we say, the things we do, uh, the, the attitude in which we do things in life and we make the choices we make, the attitude sometimes is way more important than the action that we do. You, you can do the right thing in the wrong way and it be a big failure, even though you did the right thing, if you don't have the right attitude. Sometimes you can do the wrong thing with the right heart and the right motive and it's still the wrong thing, but it's a whole lot better to get through it and maybe get a little grace and mercy on the other side of it and, and learn something from it if your heart's in the right place. But, but no matter what our attitude and our heart, when it's in the right place, God can do great things with whatever it is that we do. When our attitude is right, when our heart is right, and, and when, when He's in the midst of it. So basically, in, in reality... Uh, there's two choices in life that we can make uh, about the things that we face in life. And, and that is, number one, uh, we can grumble, we can complain, bellyache, moan, groan, anything you can think of. I mean, you know what I'm saying. We can be a grumbler, we can be a complainer. We can make the choice to always see the bad, to always see the negative. Or we can make the choice to glorify. We make the choice to thank God and praise God and glorify God in everything. Doesn't the Bible say in all things to give thanks? And unless something's happened and they've changed the Greek, all still means all even in the Greek. It means no matter what, we're to give thanks. Even when bad things happen, when bad times come, Things that are unexpected come in life. We're to still give thanks. So those are in reality. Now, I'm a realistic person. I, I, I don't have the gift of oblivion. I'm not one that can stick my head in the sand and, you know, play games and think everything's all rosy. If it's not, I'm a realist and I want to see what it is and face it and fix it or take it down and do another, whatever it is. Let's just get it right and move on. 
you know, that's just the way I am. And I, I, I understand some people just like to grumble. There's really only two things. You can be a grumbler or you can be a glorifier. I want you to look at one verse with me here. I've given you this uh, psalm and, and you go home this afternoon and you spend time reading this psalm. Matter of fact, let me just pause there for a minute. Is today the Lord's day? Hey, we all agree it's the Lord's day. So if I say go home and read this, what does that mean? Well, preacher, I, I got a football game to watch or race to watch or grass to mow or leaves to blow or, you know, I got shopping to do. Well, no, it's the Lord's day. So nothing's more important than giving this day to the Lord and, and spending time with Him. We know that every day is the Lord's day. We know that they all belong to Him, all of our time. But we've set this side today because in the Old Testament He said to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. But we know we don't live under the law, but thank God God's given us grace and mercy today and we worship Him and we've given Him the first day of the week to start our week with. So I would expect that you'll go home and uh, follow directions and read this psalm because it'll bless you if you do. It's a history up unto King David of Israel and all their blunders, of all their mistakes. And they're really not mistakes, they're just unwise choices. God did everything for them. If you begin in verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old which we have heard and known. And our fathers have told us the things that their fathers had passed down to them from generation to generation. What things? The things that God hath done, the end of verse 4. Verse 5, for he establisheth the testimony. Verse 5, he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, passing on what God has taught you and what you've learned to the next generation in verse 6. And their children which should be born, the generations after that, verse 7, that they might set their hope in God. There's a reason, there's a purpose that God's done all this. He rehearses these things. But how often as you read through here do you find that the children of Israel forget God? And aren't we just like that sometimes? We get so caught up in the world and, and just the adventure of everyday living that we sometimes forget God. We forget that it is really all about Him. I was riding down the road the other day and I'm no different than anybody else. I, I can be a selfish person and think things ought to be about me and what I like and what I want and you know, what fits and what's best for me, all those things. And I got to thinking, is it really all about him or is it all about me? And, and just for a minute, the thought came through my mind, it really is all about me life really is all about me because if it's really all about him it has to be all about me 
and what the me is doing to give him all the glory. Do you understand? So it really is. It's all about you. What do you want? Do you want to live a life? Do you want to live in a way that brings him honor and glory? Or do you want to live selfish? You want to live for you. You want to live for what you want. So it's about you. It's about the choice that you make. It's about the choice I make. And Israel continually made the choice over and over again to just think about themselves and to forget God. Look at verse 17. Verse 17 it says, And they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness. And we don't have time to tell the whole story of Israel this morning. But you know God brought them out of the land of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They got up to the promised land. God said, I've given you this land. I want you to go in and possess it. And they doubted, didn't they? They doubted. The devil's number one thing is he wants us to doubt. If he can just make us doubt. That's the very first thing he did, Genesis 3. What, yea, hath God said? Did God really say that? It's doubt. See? So you know the story, the spies, they go, they, they say we can, two of them say we can, ten of them say we can't. The continual problem, you go through this whole psalm and over and over again, they forget God, God blesses them, God does for them, they forget God, and then God judges them, and all these things happen here. Look at verse 19, verse 19, there's two choices we can make. Yea, they spake against God, they said... Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Can God? Just grumbling. Constantly grumbling. Well, can God do this? It's a good thing I was not Moses. Moses had learned somewhere, maybe in that 40 years, on the backside of the desert, when he was over there tending sheep, that's where he learned his patience. And, and some... Uh, time ago a lady in my church said preacher I've learned not to pray for patience but for understanding because if you pray for patience God will put you in situations you have to be patient in you know I, I like that I don't pray for that anymore but in, I, you know I think if I would have been Moses and this question would have come up well can God I probably wish would have went haywire on them and rehearsed all the things that God had already done for him. And said, what do you mean, can God? Do you not remember what he's already done? And yet we keep making the same mistake over and over and over again. And he keeps judging us, but then he keeps forgiving us. So we can be constant grumbles, just like Israel was, and question God, can God furnish a table in the wilderness or we can learn to glorify God. Turn with me, if you will, to the New Testament, to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians. Now, I hope you used your Q-tips this morning because you're going to have to listen fast. Because I'm about to start preaching fast. Ephesians chapter number 3. We don't want to be grumblers. We don't want to be complainers. We don't want to be questioners like the children of Israel. But we want to learn to glorify God. 
In verse 14, Paul, in his writing here to the church at Ephesus, he, he begins talking to them about praying for them. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now see, there's something going on here Paul's talking to them about, and that's that inner man where the Holy Spirit lives and dwells and where they find their strength from and where they learn to live life from. It's not the outside, but it's the inside. And When we learn to take care of the inside and the inner man and what God's doing in the spiritual part of man, you know what? Your outside will change. Your exterior, your life on the outside will be different when you tend to the inside. So Paul's telling them here how he's praying for them and for them to be strengthened in their spirit. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Now Paul's getting deep here. He's getting in a big way here that you might comprehend, that you can understand, that you can get this, all right? The breadth, the length, the depth, and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. Do you know that the Bible says you can't even understand how much God loves you? The only way we can even get a glimpse of how much God loves us is to look back at Calvary, to look at Christ on that cross, and to see what he went through that day, suffering and dying, paying for our sins on that cross. That's the only just glimpse that we can have of how much God really loves us. He says it passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God, period. Now verse 20. Now unto him, that's that God that loves us, gave himself for us. Now unto him that is able. We go back to Psalm 78 there. Do you think that that they might understand a little better? Can God? If they knew what Paul wrote when he wrote this to the Ephesians, unto him, what? That is able. He's able. God's ability is never in question. I'm going to show you all this here in just a second. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him, unto this God that's able, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. What do you believe God for? What what do you or are you or have you ever believed God for? God wants to do something 
in you and through you for his glory. Philippians 1, I believe verse 6 said that he hath begun a good work. He that hath begun a good work in you, what? Will perform it till the day of the end. If God saved you, he's performed a good work in you. And he wants your life to bring him honor and bring him glory. And he's promised that he'd meet every need that we have. Philippians 4 and verse 19, but my God shall supply what? All the money you ever need to do anything? No, it's not what it says, is it? But we tend to think of it only as financial. That's our financial go-to verse. But my God shall supply all of your needs. Doesn't matter what your need is, God said he'd supply it according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So here in verse 20, it says, Now unto him that is able. I want to show you three things that God is the God of this morning. And we're, we're going to hurry right through them. Number one, he's the God of the impossible. Life's about choices. You can grumble or you can glorify. God is the God of the impossible. In Daniel chapter 3, you have the story of the fiery furnace. The impossible means that it cannot be done. You understand that, right? It cannot be done. So everybody knows this story. You learned it in Sunday school. We don't have to turn there and read it. They come before the king. The king said, now boys, I put the, put the image up. Y'all are supposed to bow down and worship, and you didn't worship. So the penalty for that is you got to go in the furnace. He said, but now tell me that that's not true, and, and you're going to bow down and worship the next time the horn blows. Well, no, we're not going to worship you. We're not going to worship the image you set up. They said, be it known unto thee, O king, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. They knew that God was able to deliver them from the furnace. Either by death or by some miracle they didn't know anything about yet, they knew that God would deliver them. And they said, even though he may not deliver us, we're still not going to worship the God that you set up. But you know the story, don't you? They go in the fire. Nebuchadnezzar looks over there and he said, did we not put three men in the fire? And they said, well, yeah, we threw three men bound into the fire. And he said, well, I see four men loose walking in the fire. And the fourth one looks like Jesus. That's what the Bible says. God is the God of the impossible. Can you walk through fire? My wife went to visit her brother this past week out in Arizona and he took her all over the place out there in the desert and they went someplace where some volcano erupted and there was lava field. You can walk on it when it's cooled off and it's hard and it's just rock. How many of you want to go walk on some hot coals or a molten lava field today? None of us want to walk through the fire, do we? These men were bold enough to say the God that we serve is able to deliver us. And if we need to go in that fire, we'll go in that fire. Why? Because God is the God of the impossible. And he deserves not to be grumbled against today, but to be glorified because he's the God of the impossible. Daniel chapter 6. You know what happens in Daniel chapter 6? They can, another king, another law. If you pray, you're going in the lion's den. 
And what does the Bible say? They made the rule that Daniel went and he prayed. The Bible says Daniel did that which he did aforetime. In other words, he just kept doing what he was already doing. See? He didn't worry about the rules. He went... I'm going to tell you, your life would be a whole lot better off if you'd quit worrying about what Washington says and start worrying about what goes on at the church. If we'd live by what God told us to as a church and as a group of believers and His people and His body and quit letting Washington influence us and Washington dictate us, you know what, we'd be a whole lot better off. Because Daniel didn't worry about the rules, he just did what was right because he just was always doing what was right. And he just kept on doing what he was doing. And so you know that story. They came and got him, threw him in the lion's den. That upset the king. The king liked Daniel. So the next day, the king went to see if Daniel was okay. And he hollered off down in the lion's den, Daniel, are you all right? He said, man, I slept better than I've ever slept. He said, I had all these lines and all this fur around. I never got cold one time. My pillow was always fluffy. You want to go sleep down at the Birmingham Zoo with some lions? Went down there a year or so ago. Took the our, our three boys. We got big boys now. We don't have little boys anymore. Took those boys to the zoo. Uh, my wife did, and took a picture. And there's one of those lions, and he's standing with his feet up on that cage, just both feet out like this. I've got a picture of, and that big old head of his, that mane all fluffed out there. And I mean, my little kid, my my big son looks like a stick man standing up there against the body of that big, huge lion. But yet Daniel spent the night with them. They didn't harm a hair of his head. God is the God of the impossible, and he deserves to be glorified because of what he can do. I could go on and on through the scripture. I'll just mention this. Have any of you ever been down to the beach? Has everybody been to the to the coast beach, sand, whatever you call it here? You know, some people don't call it the beach. That's wicked. But anyway, it's the, where the water meets the sand at. Hallelujah. Where you can do a little saltwater fishing and get some shrimp every now and then. Y'all had lunch yet? If you walk down on that sand and, and you just start out through there, before long, what's going to happen? The water's going to be up around your ankles, isn't it? Then it's going to be up around your knees, isn't it? Has anybody ever walked out across that sand and the water not come up over your feet? I mean, you walked out on the water? You know, over in the New Testament, the Bible says that Peter walked on the water to go to Jesus. Not a one of us have ever filled the bathtub up to take a good warm bath after you worked hard all day and you wanted to soak a little bit in some of that Epsom salt water, then any one of us ever filled that tub up and stepped over in there and stood on top of the water? Not a one of us. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that Peter walked on the water to go, I could get a little Pentecostal right there. He's the God of the impossible. And we ought to praise him for who he is. We ought to praise him for what he can do. Let me, let me give you this. He's not only the God of the impossible, but he's the God of the impassable. He's the God of the impassable. Things, the impossible is things that cannot be done. The impassable are things that, can, things that you cannot get through alone. 
things that you cannot get through alone. He's the God of the impassable. We must hurry this morning. Let me give you a couple of them here. Uh, Exodus chapter 14 uh, gives us the story of the Red Sea. We know what happened there, don't we? Moses held the rod of God out, and God did what? He, he just sent a little breath of the Holy Ghost by and blew on the water, and the water drew back. And the Bible says the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. Dry means dry. It don't mean wet. It don't mean muddy. It don't mean damp. It means dry. We know what it's been 90 degrees for two weeks and it ain't rained a drop. We know what dry is here in Alabama, don't we? They walked across on dry ground because God is the God of the impassable. He moved that water right out of the way. Some people say, well, it's only about three feet deep right there where they crossed, preacher. Well, it's an even greater miracle then than you think it is because he drowned the whole Egyptian army in three feet of water, chariots, horses, and all. People want to try to argue with God and make God look bad. It just makes him look better. So it doesn't matter if it's three foot deep or 30 foot deep. He blew the water back. They went through on dry ground and he drowned the Egyptian army when they tried to follow him. He's the God of the impassable. There's going to be days, there's going to be things that you think you can't get through, that you think you can't go through. You think they're just too tough. I'm telling you, just glorify God. Praise God because He's the God of the impassable. He'll get you through to the other side. Joshua chapter 4, they came to another body of water, the Jordan River. What happened there? The same thing. Except God didn't have Moses and Joshua didn't have a rod, but Joshua had some priests. What we're lacking today, what we lack in this country, to see God be able to do what God wants to do, are godly men that stand and hold the word of God and lead people. We're missing leaders like Joshua had in this country today. Because the Bible said that when those priests that bore the ark, it said, when your foot goes in the water, preacher, what'd they do? They walked down off that bank and they put their feet in the water and what happened? The water drew back and they walked across on dry ground. Why? Because he's the God of the impassable. Would to God that we had men and women today that believed that God can get you through something. That would spend more time begging God than more time wringing their hands and fretting and fearing over what might or might not. If we just realize that he's the God of the impassable. Here's a couple of scriptures. If you're making notes, just jot them down. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 9. You can read those later. The God of the impassable. And the third thing we want to see here as we talk about glorifying God. He's the God of the impregnable. He's the God of the impregnable. Things that you can't beat on your own. I'm working on a message the Lord gave me a few days ago. Give me the thought for it. About besetting sin and beseeching sinners. 
things that you can't beat on your own. There's things in life that we struggle with. Addiction is a big word. It's a big topic in the world we live in because everybody's addicted to something. You, you may not think you are. You're addicted to something. The, the, the world just may not label it or classify it as wicked or sinful. So you don't think a whole lot about it. But we're all addicted to something. The God of the impregnable, two more illustrations, a couple of stories. Joshua chapter 6. They come up to a little town called Jericho. You know what happens there, don't you? Jericho was a walled city. Nobody had ever penetrated those walls. God said, I just want you to take them out there and march around the wall. Just, just go march. Just go walk around the wall. That's Bible school story. You all know that story. They go walk around the wall, come back, nothing. Go again, walk around the wall, nothing. Finally, the day comes. God said, now take this, this, this. We go walk around the wall seven times, and when this happens, I want to tell you to do this, you do this. And, that. and what happened? Them walls crumbled to the ground, didn't they? They disobeyed God, trusted God, and God tore the walls down for them. And not only that, but when they made such a racket, breaking all them clay pots and them lights shining out through the darkness, all the people that was in the walled city of Jericho killed their own selves. They didn't even have to raise a sword to go fight. God fought the battle and destroyed the enemy for them. Telling you, he's the God of the impregnable. Things that you think you can't overcome, things that you battle against, that you think you can't defeat, God will help you to defeat those things if you'll just learn to glorify him, if you'll learn to praise him. One last thing there, 1 Samuel chapter 17, everybody knows that story. That's about that big fellow named Goliath and that little fellow named David. Now here's a super warrior. Here's a giant that nobody can defeat. And here comes a shepherd with some sack lunches for his brother. And he hears the Goliath. He hears him taunting the armies of God. And he said, I'm not going to put up with that. Where are people like David today that say, I'm not going to put up with the way the world talks about God. Not going to put up with the way the world treats Christians. Not going to put up with the way the world acts toward the church and the things of God. I'm going to make a stand. There is a cause. I'm going to do what's right. See, it wasn't David that defeated the giant that day. It was God that defeated the giant that day. And he'll help you defeat the giants in your life. He'll help you to get through the things, get over the things that you think you can't get through in your life. Why? If you give him praise. David said, in the name of the Lord, I'm going to come out there and cut your head off. And he laughed at David, didn't he? David did what? He laid the shield and the sword and the helmet and all of Saul aside and he grabbed up them rocks out of the brook and he went out across that valley to fight Goliath. And Goliath laughed at him, called him a dog, every name in the book he could think of. And David just grabbed one of them rocks out while he was running never even slowed down and slung it and God put it in the right place and put just enough power behind it 
knocked that big giant down on the ground. I don't think David ever even stopped. He just kept right on going, walked right over there, took that sword out, whacked his head off and held it up by the hair and all them other Philistines took off and ran. Because he told him, he said, God will take care of you. And when we glorify God, when we don't act like the children of Israel, we don't do what they do, but when we learn to praise God, when we learn to glorify God, the blessed Holy Spirit will bring value into our life. He'll bring something into our life. He'll bring praise and joy into our life like we've never had it before. It's an active thing. It's not something that we think about. Verse 20, let's read it again. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that what? Worketh in us. It's an active faith. It's, it's having faith in his ability to do something. It's personal. It takes place in us. It's public. Unto him be glory where? In the church. We publicly glorify God. It's personal in us. Then it's public in church when we meet together and we worship together. And then it's perpetual. He says, throughout the ages, world without end. Throughout all ages. If God's people will bring God glory and bring God praise and honor Him for who He is and for what He does, you know what? He'll unleash power. He'll do things like we've never seen before. When we learn to stand in faith and do it for His honor, and do it for His glory. We can watch Him work. He can save the worst of sinners today. You got somebody you know, somebody in your family, somebody you work with, you think God never saved them. God wants to save them. Jesus died to save them. The Bible said that He's patient, He's long-suffering, He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody's not going to do it, but God wants everybody to. How much time will we spend glorifying God in front of them and living in front of them to let them know that He loves them so they'll want Him? He can strengthen the weakest believer today. He can give you what it is that you need. The Israelites said, Can God? I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you believe that God can? God can today. I brought something with me and we're going to close this service in just a minute. I, I, I brought my God can with me. Because God can. They question God. I don't question God. I'm here to make a statement this morning that God can. You say, well, what is that, preacher? Can't tell you how many Slips of paper and note cards has been placed in this can. Somebody that needed something that only God could do. And the whole world may doubt God can. The whole world may think it can't be, but God can. And I'm telling you today, God can. Whatever it is that you need, God can. Whatever problem it is you face, God can. Whoever it is that needs Jesus today, God can. And in just a minute, we're going to take time for you to put whatever it is you need God to do in this can. And we're going to pray because God can. 
Do you believe he can today? Let's bow our heads. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed this morning, you search your heart. Psalmist said to, he asked the Lord to search him, try him to know his heart, see if there be any wicked way in him. I want you to search your heart this morning. Make sure that there's nothing between you and the Lord today. Take just a moment. Ask the Lord, Lord, is there something that I need to give to you? Is there an area that <clears throat> I could be better in? Is there some place that I'm not serving you like I could? Help me to be better in it. There's somebody I could be a better influence to in my life. Somebody I could be a better witness to in my life. God, help me to be a better witness. Help me to be the salt, the light that you've called me to be as a Christian. Just take a moment. As she plays, maybe you want to come this morning and spend some time at an old-fashioned altar just humbling yourself before the Lord, asking God to give you the strength you need to glorify Him and to praise Him. Maybe you've been negligent in just honoring Him for who He is and for what He does. Come and bow before Him for a moment. Take that time. Then... Maybe there's somebody that you want to place in this can, some situation that you want to place in this can. You may not have a slip of paper or a pencil. I've placed note cards down here on the communion table. We'll find a couple of pens, a couple of pencils. You come grab one of those note cards. Jot it down. Take it back to your seat if you want to. Write down whatever it is that you want to. And you place it in that can. We're going to take just a few minutes. If you'd like to do that, you come. You join these that have come and prayed. You come pick a card up, fill it out, drop it in this can. Just for a moment while we wait. stuff in if you don't have a raise your hand I'll bring you one
right, you can look this way for just a moment. All hearts, minds clear this morning. I'm going to leave the can here. I'm not giving you my can. I'm going to leave the can here. Lord willing, nothing happens. It's His will. I was scheduled to be back next Sunday. But we're going to leave it here. I'll pick it up next week. Maybe something else that you might want to add. Maybe somebody that's not here today be here for one of the Bible studies during the week or something. You can explain it to them. They might have something they want to add to it. But you remember when you go home, there's a can at the church with a lot of things in it in people's hearts. Need prayer. A lot of things on your prayer list that need prayer. God can. God will. We'll just put our faith in Him. We'll give Him the glory that's due His name. He's worthy. He's alive. I, I, I don't want to be mean to you, but I'll tell you this. If you shout for a football game and you want amen Jesus, you ought to get right with God. If you'll shout for the orange and blue or the red and white and you won't amen Jesus, you ought to get right with God. And then you could have revival. Because He's worthy of our praise. And there's glory that's due His name. Life's about choices. You can be a grumbler or you can be a glorifier. You can be a grumbler or you can be a glorifier. That's my message. There's something you want to add after we're dismissed, you feel free to come and do it. Brother Hornsby, would you mind to come and pray over these requests? And anybody that wants to come and gather here, just like when we pray over a person, somebody's sick, they come before the church or something, we, we gather together and pray. Anybody that wants to come, Put hand, if you can get it close enough to put a hand on this can, you can, or on somebody close to it. We're going to let Brother Broy pray a prayer of dedication over these things that's in this can. And ask God to do what only He can do. Father, we love you and praise you so much. We thank you, Father, for your love for us and all your provisions. We know, Father, that you knew each of us before we were conceived in our mother's womb, that you've always had a perfect plan for our life, a plan for good and not evil, to give us an accepted end and a perfect end. Father, in this can, there are many prayer requests. We know that these things are impossible for man, but they are possible for you. So, Father, each one... And you know what each one says and who dropped it in. Father, we ask for the outpouring of your Holy Spirit on each of these, that you would, you would just bless each person with your special favor, with your anointing, with your wisdom, with your forgiveness of every sin, your guidance in all we do. And keep us, Father, in your love and your care. And we'll, we, we know, Father, that there's nothing impossible for you so we just ask you to fulfill these requests, answer these prayers according to your knowledge, complete knowledge 
of their need and your will for our lives. Father, bless, keep us as we honor you with our faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.